Hey folks, like the show? Subscribe on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Then check out our sponsor, Intamon Theaters Here, that's H-I-R, a sly subversive comedy about family, gender, politics, and sexuality. Don't like the show? Well then for Pete's sake, hit pause and go check out our sponsor, Intamon Theaters Here, that's H-I-R, directed by Jennifer Zale at www.intamon.org backslash H-I-R. Our sponsor is Intamon Theaters Here, and this... Is up zones. Things are changing. Things are changing. You have to elect yourself daily. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing. You elect yourself. You elect yourself. What's up, Upzonians? Happy Monday. It's actually the weekend while I'm recording this. I'm not yet in Hawaii, but by the time you hear it, I'll be in Hawaii. It's my first time. Uh, I've never been before, so I'm pretty freaking excited. Can't wait. But before I took off or will take off again in this time loop that we're in together as a community, I did get a, a great interview with Bill Radke of KUOW. You know him. You've heard him. He's the lunchtime guy. He talks to every interesting person in Seattle and some real dopes too. And he treats them all great. Uh, he treated me amazing. I, I was on his show about a year ago, I guess, or six months to a year ago doing the uh, spoken word poetry thing when I had qualified for the national competition. And he uh, <laughs> he was great. He, he was very humorous about it. He didn't take himself too seriously, but he also didn't make derivative of anything we were trying to do. Uh, he was exactly the same way this week. He's got some great thoughts about Seattle. No strong opinions. And he'll call himself out for that. I think he's happy to kind of be a cipher and listen to what the experts self-proclaimed and otherwise have to say about the city. He was just kind of humble and smart and funny and wanted to hear what everyone else had to say uh, in the room, myself included, when we were doing the interview. And it's just going to make it really hard when I take his job in five years. Uh, I'm just kidding, of course. But uh, he, he really does... He just kind of does a really interesting and important service for the city. And uh, he, he really, at the end there, he really started to talk about mindfulness and meditation and how maybe listening to ourselves might go a, a long way in getting us through some of the weird stuff that's out there in the news right now, nationally and locally. And uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'm going on vacation. I hope you all do too. Without further ado, Bill Radke. slam poet voice <laughs> um so since i have you and i get to ask you some tough questions um you've lived in seattle a long time now yeah i lived uh, moved here to federal way in the early 80s okay i went to uw that was when i came to seattle right so that would have been the eisenhower i think administration Correct. eisenhower late truman right. early eisenhower okay um more than any one other thing what's changed the most well, the obvious thing in Seattle is that I'm always trying to think of the non-obvious thing to say. So I, I always pause when I think, well, it's, there's a lot more people here yeah. and there's big buildings. But what the thing I notice now, I live on Mercer Island now, by the way, so I don't think you can live in Seattle. But the thing I notice is the angst and the frustration and the suspicion 
about who's doing what to our city. That's the biggest change. I'd so I had a guest recently actually walk me through just a fascinating history of Seattle from his point of view um, and how we had kind of these neighborhood um, commissions that were set up uh, in the 90s and then a series of changes all kind of happened at once where you had the WTO protests, a mayoral election that resulted in the disbanding of those neighborhood commissions and then ironically or maybe not ironically, but just sort of um, counterintuitively 9-11, which it, uh, in, in each of them, all happening within about a year of each other, leading to this kind of uh, radical polarization, and, it, and one being national, one being sort of you know, global, but taking place in Seattle, and then the third being purely Seattle, but all having this kind of impact on the city. I don't know if that's if, if you've observed that, that kind of finger-pointing and blame if, if it did it to you did it happen in the early 2000s is that when you started to see that emerging i left in the early 2000s uh, i was living here as a single guy in belltown and i went to california i met my fiance here we went to california had three kids came back moved to mercer island and so <laughs> and the, life is very the... different <laughs> yeah. from what it was when i left so um so i haven't tracked i haven't tracked changes to causes like that but the 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 word you use polarization captures what i feel and it's not just partisan it's not just left and right because there's i mean that's true I, i've my listeners will know this i used to the obama administration i was a glorified intern for five years under the obama administration i worked in campaigns uh, even the 2008 primary which was pretty tough was nothing like the 2016 primary so it's not even intra-party i mean it's just all ideologies just camping, digging trenches and camping out. And we do see that in, in Seattle. Here. I think that's right. Yeah, and, and have you noticed, um, and, and my, I certainly, we can't be the only two pointing to that, right? I mean, there must be, I mean, even among your guests and the folks that you have, there must be some kind of countervailing motion for people trying to create coalitions. Well, I try to create a coalition of people sitting across from the table being curious and uh, civil mm. um, so in a way just coming together to sit down and talk I hope is you know is uh, some small act of togetherness but I sure noticed the polarization yeah and, and and so you're saying it's hard to actually point to folks who are committed to kind of undoing that you're seeing even maybe still more of a trend toward polarization in this moment right now I, I try to think long term, and I definitely notice it long term compared to when I left Seattle, mm -hmm. which was in the early two thousands. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, so many things have happened with the rise of social media and the Trump election, and there's so many things we could point to that I'm pretty dumb about most things, and I, I'm happy to stay that way. I just keep I'm curious, I ask questions, right. but I, I'm not very I, I don't draw a lot of conclusions. Right. Where'd you live in Belltown? Um, on Second and Vine. Oh man, I lived in Second and Bell. Is that right? You know that dog park that probably sure, of course. houses a lot of drug deals yes. back in the day. Oh, yeah. yes. I lived right across the street from there for a number of years. Took my dog to that to that dog park. I know it well. Yeah, and you lived there for right next. It used to be. Uh, is the grocery store even still there anymore? Yeah, Dan's. Yeah, uh, Dan's. Yeah. Dan's. Yeah, yeah. But was, there was there was a place there was a belt is like the Belltown Grocery right there at that park. Anyway, yeah, yeah, still there, still there. Okay. Yeah, it just goes by the name Dan's. Okay, and then Mama's is on the other side. Mama's, yeah, yeah, which is under new ownership. Uh huh. The burritos aren't as good. <laughs> but uh, so you lived there in what the in the that was in the eighties or uh, ninety five to two thousand 
2005 or so. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you did see a lot of, That's when the changes really started to happen mm-hmm. in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. That's when I think Amazon kind of takes off in, what, 20, 2002 maybe? My sister was an early Amazon employee. Okay. Yeah. She had, her desk was a door. <laughs> the, the early employees there, you know, it was really small and they would just use an old door that uh, that was your desk you lie it on it lay it on its side mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's she's not working anymore yeah mm-hmm. well she probably doesn't need to no. <laughs> okay and so that was and that was the, i found that was like the first a, after they moved out of kind of the bezos the proverbial bezos garage mm-hmm. i think their first headquarters was down on beacon hill is that right or down um they did i think my sister was there, I think, even earlier. It was, a, it was downtown, north downtown, before they even moved to Beacon Hill, I think. Oh, so like almost be Belltown. Wrong. Yeah. Kind of like Denny Triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little south of there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. And so then, um, when did you move back? 2012, maybe? 2012. Okay. With wife and kids. Wife and, and kids. How long have you been married? 13 years. 13 years. Going well? <laughs> yes, thank you. I mean, hopefully ask, this, ask this, Sarah. <laughs> this would not, Sarah. How's how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> this would probably not be the best place to announce that it wasn't. I guess right. So, yeah, you know, there's pros and cons yeah. to that kind of announcement. I think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You'll be taking your talents to yeah. to South Beach. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, great. And and you came for this role to to come back to KURW and be here. Actually, no. I came because I got a call from. Well, my friend Luke Burbank, you know Luke, who he does a um, used to work at KUW and NPR. He now has a popular podcast, and he lives in Bellingham. He he was working at Cairo Radio, mm-hmm. and he called me up and said, "You should come work here." And I said, "I'm no, I'm not a talk show host. You know, I'm a I'm a public radio guy." And but but I had been a stand up comedian. And Stop it, me too. Is that right? Back east, back in Philly, back in New York, when I was living, I did stand up all the time. Well, there you go. Yeah, and a bit about my my dog. Like, <laughs> I would buy him uh, all these expensive chew toys, and he couldn't stop licking his balls. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. Classic stand up comedy. Yeah. So you know, he was just telling me, you just just be you. you know, I had done public speaking. Yeah, I yeah. talked on the radio yeah. for years. And, and Sarah's uh, job was starting to, she was starting to sour on it. And we took my uh, kids up here and they played with their cousins. It was the 4th of July and we were watching them play, even though they, she barely knew her cousins. They were playing on their lawn and, um, and just so happy. We thought, mm, super green, maybe. super clean. Just being like, there's something about your cousins, even though you don't know them. And we've discussed this. Is it because... You're taking your cues from your family, like, oh, mom and dad are relaxed around, feel intimate around these people, so I guess I will too. Yeah. Or is it genetic? Or is right. it, you know, or or you just have something in common? Or it's just, well, any play date, if it's a long play date, you know. But but she just, they, they, they seem happy. So we said, you know, let's bring the kids up here. And, and I'm going to do something uncomfortable for me, which is try to be a talk show host on yeah. Cairo yeah. Um, FM, on uh, the commercial side. And I did that for uh, a year or two, and I was, uh, actually, I was not, not good. Because I just, I was not, um, as I say, I'm not, I'm not a learned man. And you'd be surprised at how few conclusions I'm able to draw, and that's the opposite of what you want in a talk show host. I don't know what I was thinking. What do you mean by that? So, so the, is the expectation that if you have a conversation with a subject matter expert that you're supposed to be able to 
pulled forth? Is that the idea? And you find that challenging? At the, the morning show at Cairo, the way it was structured, you know, we just didn't have access to a lot of people at, I would get there at, I don't know, two in the morning or something, three in the morning mm -hmm. to get ready to be on the air at five. And um, so it was more like riffing through some of the morning's issues, but I was supposed to have something to say about uh -huh. it. And whereas at KOW, I'm on at noon, and our, I've got guests coming in who know pe people like you, people who know stuff that I don't know, and I could say, tell me about you, you know, and that I'm okay at. Yeah. But, but me saying, here's the takeaway for you, the listener, I just had trouble with it. Yeah. Gotcha. I, and, but I, it, I like sometimes listening to people who do it well. It's not that I'm saying, oh, those know-it-alls. Oh, no, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, it's when you can do it well. Yeah. Luke does it well. Gotcha. This guy who uh, was yeah. used to be at Cairo. He does yeah. it well. They can be entertaining. And I like hearing someone being be opinionated. And then I can hear someone else be opinionated in a different way. Or, um, but I'm just not a good opinionator. Gotcha. You, I mean, it sounds like I, I listen to your show all the time, right? I mean, it sounds to me like you just kind of like setting the table for that kind of thing. Yeah, You're which could be incredibly hitter. wimpy, you know. Yeah. For, for I, I'm not I'm not proud of it or ashamed of it, but I like bringing people in yeah. and and bringing them together. And I hope I'm, I had the listener in mind. Like, what would the listener want to know? How can I make the listener a little smarter? Smile a little, or be pissed off if they need to be, or whatever it yeah. is. How yeah. can I give them some information, but not my my brain. You so, don't want my brain. When did you move over here, then? When did I move? Oh, from, yeah. From so Cairo, yeah. yeah, so it was about 20, uh, you know, 13 or something like that. Oh, a couple years over. later. Yeah, a year or two. I was yeah. there. Yeah. And the, this just is a better fit. And you've been here a while now. Uh, yeah, I think it's a better fit. Yeah. Yeah. You probably get a wider swath of Seattleites and, let's say, general purpose Pacific Northwesterners than almost anyone in front of you. And opining, to your point. Uh -huh. Are there any threads that you can call out, one, two, three major threads, around people who are managing the changes that we're experiencing as a city and as a region, and they're doing it well, and they have good ideas for the future as to how we can, rather than kind of either blindly just, you know, kind of rake the ecosystem, as it were, or the reverse, which is pretend that we're going to fight it, which we're not. Are there people that are actually riding, you know, kind of surfing the waves and have good thoughts and good ideas? And what kind of ideas and, and philosophies are those? Well, I uh, am, as I say, reluctant to share what I think a, a solution I think is good or bad because I, you'd be surprised how you think, Bill, you've got opinions, you just don't want to share them. But I, what's right or wrong about what Seattle ought to do? I, I don't know, uh, but I respect people who have an idea. Like if they're saying we need to build our way out of this mm -hmm. and that's how you're going to get prices to come down. And, uh, you know, Roger Valdez has an interesting point about. That's, that was my guest. Oh. That was the guest I was referring to about the, oh. the WTO protest. It was Roger. Okay. Yeah. So Roger set, makes this argument that among uh, one of his arguments is if you are saying stop building preserve Seattle the way we like it, then you can relate to a Trumpian anti-immigrant type. Mm -hmm. That's a bold, that's a, you know, that, I'm sure that pisses up some people off that he would make that comparison. Whether he's right or wrong, what's the best thing for Seattle? I don't know. Seattle's, maybe it would have been better if Seattle had never come, had never been a city and yeah. the people who were already here could be, you know, yeah. so right, what the hell do I know? Yeah. So who cares? 
he so that he's making that argument and other people can argue that no you you say that the more development that's going to bring prices down that's that's crap you know the new developments are the expensive ones they're tearing down is beautiful you know architecture with integrity and a sense of history and i've interviewed people about the ghosts of seattle and vanishing seattle and 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 i think that's fantastic you know yeah. i swear I, that's my i'm in the right place because that's my that's how i'm built is to just hear people like that out and and help hopefully help listeners see oh okay well i might really disagree with that but okay you know, now, now we're talking yeah 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 so what I'm hearing is just absolute wishy-washy, non-committal. Right. There is no one answer. Right. Yeah, I'm all right. T- yeah. yeah. You should I'm, run for president. I wish you well, run not, for president. Not this president, not, but no, every other president. Every other president <laughs> saying pablum. I'm giving yeah. you pablum. Yeah, you know? but, but, you know, that's I'm I'm Bill Pablum Radke. My right, father's right. name was, middle name was Pablum, and his father's. and his yeah, Well, his father's name was Pablum. It was Pablum right. originally, yes. Yeah, it was uh, one name. It's an immigrant name. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Latin. What was Pablus. your Pablus. Yeah. Uh, Pablius, Pablius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your favorite joke that you did back in the early days? Oh, um, well, I liked telling. I'm. I was one of those guys who turned the whole my whole act into a story. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I liked telling the the spine of it was basically I was a screw up kid that let my dad down, frustrated my dad. I didn't understand him. He didn't understand me. So there's a lot of chances to be self-deprecating. Yeah. And um, Was that the Latin root, the, the pablis? <laughs> yeah. just couldn't connect culturally because yes. you were raised American. Right. right. Yeah. Self-deprecatus. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, um, and then, you know, then I would tell a story and talk about how I, so because I didn't know what I was doing, and I, you know, I, I stumbled into journalism, and then I stumbled into... Uh, comedy, you know, being a comedian, and then I combined them because I had a show on NPR. It was called Rewind, and it oh. was a news humor show. It was a national. How did we talk about this? When, when, when did this? When were you doing this? Uh, I started Rewind locally in the, you know, I don't know, mid to late nineties. Okay, so and this is your path to the fame and fortune you currently enjoy. The, yes, this is how it, it doesn't have. This doesn't happen by accident. Right, Look at me. Yeah, this doesn't just. Occur. He's gesturing to his. Um, Impressively masculine frame. My magnificence, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so you did that in the in the early nineties, you said. Yeah, er, uh, maybe mid nineties. Okay. I started it locally. It was a half hour show, and then it was an hour show. Mm-hmm. It was really it was popular on Saturdays, and um, so I went to a, a public radio conference, and I did a stand up routine based on a little bit of my act, my stand up act, my personal act, but but weaving in. News of the news day, of the yeah. yeah, and I got off. They said people who were there said, "Hey, can we distribute your show?" And NPR, okay, and I said, "Yeah, NPR, please do." Right. So it was on. It's one of those shows that was not how on. How does it? How yeah. does it feel yeah. to be one of the one percent? <laughs> you know, it's overrated. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because especially doing a, a news comedy show, it got it gets old trying to craft the news into a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, it's Tell great, me more about that. it's noble and all that, you know, we need to laugh through our pain and all, well, uh, you mentioned September 11th, you mm-hmm. know, that was the, that's when it was most obvious, you know, we, we did a good show right after September 11th, you know, a, a hard hitting show, award winning show, you know, mm-hmm. one of those very special rewinds that the whole family should gather around and listen mm-hmm. to, you know, but then it's just the news. It's, it's, 
you know, they, uh, maybe that is where things got extra contentious because, you know, you just all the fallout, all the wars mm-hmm. and the surveillance and, and, and all of that could feel the, the, the us them resentments in the country. And, right. But my job was to turn that deftly into comedy. Mm-hmm. And me and my you know, writers, I other people I worked with, and yeah, it just gets, it gets old. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Especially, you know, for me, I was out of journalism real fast. Three years, you know, after college. And in that time, I remember thinking, God, I, I don't want to be talking about this. I want to be doing something about yeah. it. And that was a little bit of naivete. I think as I get older now, here I'm in my 30s, I, I'm happier talking about it. <laughs> I think yeah. I, did it, I did it for a decade and now I'm, I'm back to talking about it. But there is this, you know, when you're when you're in this and you have, you, you, I guess it probably speaks to your first comment it was the first thing you said which was how can you be expected to have a stark opinion about every damn thing especially when it's something like a 9-11 where you're just amygdala brain is just firing at all and you're just trying to be a person and yeah. have coherent thoughts and emotions try call my mom make sure she's okay in new york you know uh-huh. uh and and to, to have to have thoughts and then further to have to you know be cogent make jokes yep and I think in our now, I mean, I'm an optimistic guy, right? I mean, that's the whole premise of this show. But we are in a little bit of a slow burn crisis right now. Um, and so I can imagine it would be very hard to just pull that comedy out, you know, minute after minute, day after day. Yep. And and then we had even fewer outlets. I mean, I know that, you know, you'd never heard of the show. Most people have never heard of me. But I still felt, you know, I'm part of NPR. I've got a... I've got a responsibility to make this, make the, all this commentary and sketch comedy and interviews and everything we did be the comedy show of record and be responsible and and understandable. But yet, eh, if it's not weird, then is it really that funny or useful? And now I think we've gotten a more. There's so many more voices now. So many more. You know, people. You can you can do a great podcast. Yeah, I have so no qualifications can, for this. <laughs> but but. But we can listen to so many people, yeah. and and maybe the the more niche and the weirder the better. So that's that's a better way to go. Yeah, agreed. Hey, so you got anything going on? Yeah, we you and I talked a little about polarization, and I'm going to interview a writer named Amy Chua, who is writing about tribalism, mm-hmm. and uh, that's coming up on April third. It's uh, affiliated with Town Hall Seattle. Fantastic, and that's available. Folks can get tickets on townhallseattle.org. I'm sure they can. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we like to end every interview with a little segment we call If You Care About, Then You Should. Yeah. Fill in the blanks. Bill Radke. If you care about your happiness, if you care about your peace of mind, you should be a skeptic. You should be skeptical. Your brain, one of the, one of the great... Do you want me to expound on that? Oh, right yeah. There? Okay. You, one of the great developments that... Most interesting development since of my career is that we how much we've learned to disrespect the human brain and be skeptical of the human brain. So now you have Nobel prizes going to people who study how irrational we are, and you have the rise of cognitive therapy, which is basically, oh yeah, you had that thought. Well, let's be skeptical of that thought. Yep. Is that really true? What's your evidence? How's that working out for you? Maybe the opposite is just as true. Just that kind of be skeptical of your thoughts. And then then the next wave has been mindfulness, which is, well, you don't necessarily have to argue with your thoughts. Just they're no big deal. Your brain is a thought generator and you're not designed to be right. It's just a 
fa a film festival of stories in your head and you can just sit back in your comfy chair and notice them that's the whole mindfulness and meditation and all that so just be be skeptical instead of attaching to the stories your brain spits out i think that's the most important thing for personal happiness and uh and can help bring us together if we can just see each other as story generators yeah that sounds so fantastic and i think the folks of seattle could probably use a little more mindfulness maybe the whole country i think so thanks a lot bill bill radke everyone thanks for being on the show my pleasure thanks for having me that was kuow's bill radke check him out every monday through thursday from noon to one on 94.9's the record this week's sponsor was intiman theaters here grab tickets at www.intiman.org backslash h-i-r all music by the Subcons. Dope opening poem sample by Anthony McPherson. Thanks to Rod, Dave, Abigail, and Kamira for reminding us things are changing. And thanks to our sound engineer, Brandon Letzinger. I'm your host, Ian Martinez, and this has been Upzones, a Cascadia Underground production. See you next week.